All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's Matchroom Radio with David Diamante, and we are in London, England, big fight week. And I've got a great guest with me today. I've got the former light heavyweight champion of the world, Ice Montel Griffin. How you doing, brother? I feel good, man. Uh, after you was uh, saying downstairs I mean, who was on your show, now I feel good that uh, – <laughs> that you asked me to be on here. You asked some, some real heavyweights on here. Well, that's 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 the our new producer today, Jamie. He was talking about that. But, yeah, we've had some great guests, but it's great yeah. to have you on here. And yeah. I'm trying to think, the last time I saw you, well, before we've been hanging out this week, but the last time I saw you was, uh, it was over here, yeah. and it was uh, for Fight Camp. At the, uh, yeah, at the uh, bubble. It, we were in the bubble. Yeah, we was in the bubble. And Fight I Camp. Got and you had out. Shondell Winters, right? Yeah. And you, you, first of all, do you? I see you're you're enjoying a pint here. We're not going to say the name brand of the drink, paying, but right, yeah. exactly. But but it is a, a very popular uh, beverage over here. And um, you fought over here three times. I fought over here three times. Yeah, yeah. And I fought in Ireland too. So, uh, you, you like it over here? Yeah, I love it. Here. Yeah, it's real nice. Um, I think uh, besides. Um, New York, I think I've been to uh, London more than any other place. I think I'm like on nine, ten times. I've been, I've been there. I fought here three times. I came here twice just for fun. And these last two years, I came here like four times for fights. So I've been here a lot. This, this, this is the first time I've been over here. It's beautiful over here. Canary Wharf. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. What do you, what do you typically do when you're in London? What do you like to do? Uh, I like to see the sights and everything. Uh, I got a few friends out here. So I just like to, you know, get around it. But, you know, most of the time I'm here is for business. So Sure. No idea. What's it like? So now you're here with Vaughn Alexander. We'll yeah. talk about that in a second. But what's it like being here as a trainer as opposed to coming over here as a fighter? Oh, I just we were just talking about Dwayne. I said uh, I would trade places with any of them guys. Training is okay, but ain't nothing better than fighting. That's what you just love to do, man, right? Man, come on, man. Since what you you so you you started was three years old. You were in the, in the gym with My your dad. My father bought the gym in seventy uh, three. Okay. But I was but he was going to the gym before that. I think I was like one, two years old. My brother was ten years older than me. So he talked to the gym. He took him to the gym for so he could learn self defense. He fell in love with it. Johnny Coulon was getting old. Right. Probably like eighty nine. That's years what your old. dad Clarence right. was your dad, rest in peace, but he bought right. the gym off Clarence. Of, yeah, of, Johnny he was uh oh, okay. he of started Coulon. becoming Coulon's right hand man. Right. Coulon taught him the game. He bought the gym and after that it was it was history. Muhammad Ali used to come by that gym. Uh, when, when he bought the gym, I remember Ali and my father talking, he said, uh, you know, I just train here and everything. He said, you know, whenever, whenever I'm in town, can I come train here? Like, like my father was going to say no, but he's like, of course, champ. So I just remember as a kid, I was, I was five when I met him, but, uh, he, he would call my father and say, champ, hey, Griff, everybody call him Griff. He said, I'll be at the gym at three o'clock. And at three o'clock, it would be a hundred people there, and I'm like, How, "Where are these people coming from?" Right. But yeah, I thought about it. when you see a limo pulling from a gym. Then twenty minutes later, everybody knows Muhammad Ali. He live ten minutes down the street, so it would just be packed. And he would train, and I would watch him, and it was the greatest thing in the world. And every time he got done, he would say, "Griff, what you getting ready to do?" My father said nothing. He said, "Come by the house." He would every time. So, like when he said, "What you gonna do?" I was getting happy because oh, you already knew. I, I knew he knew. And, uh, you know, I knew my father was going to go regardless, even if he didn't want to go. And um, <clears throat> one time, well, now, Ali always had me ride with him, like, come ride with me, come ride with me. And um, I looked at my father, he said, go ahead. And uh, when we got to the uh, to, to his house, I asked my father, I said, why do you always make me go with him? He said, son, you just don't even understand what this right. is right now. Right, right, right. He said, one day you're going to thank me. You don't understand. And I used to show people my Photo albums, and I just wonder why would they go so crazy? I'm like, it's Muhammad Ali. Don't everybody see him? You know what I'm saying? He live in Chicago. I right. didn't know it was special. I did. I was five. You know what I'm saying? And uh, everybody just was like, man, that's crazy. How, you know Muhammad Ali? I'm like, man, I'm like, he's like a, a uncle to me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, he he calls me by my name. Hey, Montel, come here. You know what I'm saying? He was a big inspiration to you. Of course, my my whole life has been based over trying to not follow Ali, not trying to be Ali. To be successful like Ali. Right. In, in, in a good way. Well, so a couple things, because when you say that, first of all, obviously you want a, a strap, but there, there are things that you do outside of boxing, and one of them is giving back. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. about that for a bit. You well, have a, it's a, it's a foundation or? Uh, Windy City Boxing Youth Foundation. Uh, we give out 30 scholarships to kids every month. 
train for free. And um, they have a ball. Uh, Donnell Nickerson, former champion, Olympian. Uh, he does uh, some of my classes. And uh, the gym is great. Uh, after after COVID, after COVID, even though I had to pay for like 10 months, you know what I'm saying, back pay, everything blew up. Everybody came back in droves. The gym is doing great. It'll be five years in December. And like I said, giving back, um, a lady uh, posted on Facebook and said, man, that's 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 great how you give back and help these kids. I said, well, they somebody did it to me. Right. And it's only, you know what I'm saying? You got to pay it forward. Yeah, yeah. It's only, only natural. Uh, so I try to help whoever I can. So Muhammad Ali was obviously a big inspiration to you, right. but another obviously huge inspiration to you was your father. Yeah. And when he passed, you quit boxing. Well, I didn't quit boxing. Well, at, at the time, at the time. No, I, I didn't quit boxing. My mother made me stop. So, you know so t- tell us that story. My mother's Jehovah Witness. Um, it was, it was, a, it came a time in the seventies where they changed the rules and you couldn't watch violent sports. You, well, you're not supposed to, but they still did. And um, my mother just said, "My, my father died." What, what, what hurt me so bad? Not that stopping, but. Uh, the week my father passed away, I was waiting for the funeral. Guys was coming to pick me up and take me to the gym. So I'm thinking, like, everything is going to be okay. I'm like, I can go to the gym? Like, okay, all right, okay. And then after the funeral, I swear to God, like, after the funeral, like that Monday, I wanted to go to the gym. She was like, you'll never box again. You're not, you'll never go to the gym. You're not boxing no more. And it blew my, it, it tore my heart out. Um, I'm 12 years old. Yeah, I mean, so it wasn't necessarily because – you were devastated about the loss of your dad, which obviously you were. That was made me want to fight even harder. It made you, you know want to fight even yeah, father. Yeah, so because, then, yeah. what, eight years later, you come back. Eight years later. I was sitting, uh, HBO was doing these stories. Uh, they was going, doing, showing old fights, and they had like an old trainer, old fighter, and everybody commentate. And Eddie Fudge, I saw Eddie Fudge do the fights and everything. And my nephew called. He said, Uncle, what you doing? I said, nothing. What you doing with your life? You? I said, I'm not doing nothing. I'm 210. I'm fat. Uh, I lost my job. My car broke down. He said, man, why don't you come to L.A. and start boxing? I said, okay. He said, no, I'm, for, I'm like, I'm, I'm for real. I'm like, I'm serious. And I'm, I'm, sound, I'm talking about in the next month or two, uh, my, my best friend, Ron Lee, lived right behind me. His father's a mechanic. I walked to his father. I said, look, man, I'm trying to get to L.A. Just try to change my life around. My car don't run. Could you just give me some money for it? And I know you could you know, fix it. He's like, okay, I'll give you $500. And I call. My plane ticket was $300. I had $200 in my pocket, and I moved to L.A. Just like that. Now, if you had, what is it, like 30 amateur fights, and then you made the Olympic team. Yeah. Like, okay, as a kid, uh, you know, you could start boxing at 10 in them days. It's, not, it's 8 now, but back in them days, it was 10. Uh, but I, I usually start fighting at nine. My father lied on my age, and I fought at Ohio State Fair. I made it to the semifinals. So I might have had my, maybe, I fought in four tournaments. Ohio State Fair twice, Silver Gloves, and the Park District. And I, I may have 18, 20 fights. Amateur fights, and I quit for eight years. I came back, and within 30 fights. Well, well, my first fight was January 1991. Okay. January 1992, I was number one in the nation. I won the U.S. Championships. I should have got the best boxer award, but that's another story that me and Chris Bird argue about. But uh, speaking of Chris Bird, yeah. he was on that team. Yeah, yeah, he won silver. Man. Yeah, that was Oscar my De La Hoya yeah. won gold. Yeah, yeah, and I should have won gold, but it is what it is. So, wait, you so t- let's talk about that just a little bit because I, I feel like when we've talked before, I kind of feel like I know you love the sport. Yeah, I mean it's in you. Uh, um, you can't shake it, but at the same time, there's been some things you kind of feel like you got a raw deal on. Oh, I, yeah, I don't think boxing has given back to me what I put into the game. Uh, I mean, things I did. So uh, you fought the German in the quarterfinal. In the quarterfinal, I fought. And look, and 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 he he was from Germany. He was from Germany, right? He was German, and the, the, the head I was German, right? But I was supposed to fight the Cuban next. If you watch our, the video of my fight, they say the Cubans are watching Mateo Griffin because he's got to fight uh, Balata, not. Uh, I forget whoever the the Cuban was. They that night they changed the the, the bracket and made me fight Torsen Mai, right? Because they seen that I was gonna be a problem. They said let him let's get him out the way now. So okay. they switch it up. So I fight him. I'm out jabbing. He's six five. I'm five seven. I'm out jabbing him. Uh, second or third round, uh, he throws a, a he saw Paul. He 
leans down, I go over the top. Bow. I just seen the blood gush everywhere. And First they, thing they I ca- said it was, was a punch, but they called it a headbutt. No, no, no. Oh, they, they, they dock you points. They gave him the point. Didn't they, they dock, didn't they dock you a point? But not for that. Okay. That's what I'm saying. They, right. When I hit him, they gave him the point. Okay. Right? And then later on in the fight, it was 46 seconds later. I mean, it's 46 seconds left, and they took three points and gave them to him because they said my head they, was They low. said it was like but a I'm five, seven. Sure. He's six, five. I mean, you know, the, the rules was never made for me because I was a defensive fighter. It's made for guys who stand straight up because I moved. Every fight, I, I got docked three points. Like, everybody I fought, I gave them a three-point lead because I just – I wasn't, I wasn't going to let them hit me. But that's just amateur boxing. But, uh, yeah, I mean – uh. I, the man's eyes, when I saw the blood come out of his eye, I said, it's over. I, I got a medal. I, I did what I was supposed to do. And um, I, he was over in the corner and the job wiped, wiped his eye. And, they, and the referee looking at me instead of looking at him. And when they said box, I said, I lost. But you still feel that that was one of your greatest achievements in, in the I sport of Olympic boxing? Team. Yeah, I made the Olympic team with 30 fights. Yeah. I didn't fight for eight years. I beat uh, Mikashevsky. I mean, um, the guy who knocked out Jeremy Williams, I beat him in uh, in, I beat him in Russia. He was a world champion. Oh yeah, Mikoshevsky. Well, Mikoshevsky, didn't you no, fight him Mikhail for the world Shevsky. title? You, you lost kid. him to the world kid. title. Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he knocked out Jeremy Williams. I went to uh, Russia, beat him. He was a world champ. Right. I beat the silver medalist a month before the Olympics with like twenty fights. I won the U.S. championships with like eighteen fights. Uh. I mean, it's just, it's, I beat three guys who was number one in the nation. So you're on a high at this point. Now you turn pro, and the year you turn over, you had 10 pro fights. Yeah, um, that's one thing. <laughs> My manager, he uh, he did his job. He had me, I stayed busy. You wanted to stay busy. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. You know what? Back in them days, I was young and immature. I had a drinking problem, and uh, we had the best food in the world. So I tried to stay busy and stay out of Chicago. I would come home. I would fight, come home for two or three weeks, and then go to Vegas because I didn't need to be in Chicago. You ended up moving to Vegas. Yeah, I, I was going through a divorce. I moved to Vegas and stayed there four years. Did you enjoy it out there? Of course. Vegas is my second home. From 1993 to 08, I was there like seven months out of the year. I was in Vegas longer than Chicago every year because of boxing. Can we go back just for a second and talk about Eddie Futch? Because um, I know you train with Eddie, uh, legend. And it's funny because Futch trained like four out of the five dudes that beat Muhammad Ali, and you were yeah. close to Ali. What was there any? Did you guys ever talk about that? Yeah, we went at it all the time. Uh, <laughs> but, did they get along? I mean, you know what? Like Hedgeman Lewis, he was my one of my trainers. Trainer, they all love Muhammad Ali. He like of he course. said Joe Frazier was my man, right? But I had more fun with Muhammad Ali. So everybody loved Muhammad <laughs> Ali. I remember, uh, like Joe Fra- uh, Eddie Futch said. He like, I don't know why you like Muhammad Ali because you built like Joe Frazier. He would say something like that. And then then he said, well, you know, I beat Ali twice. I said, yeah, but your record was two and five. I said, that's not good. And he would start laughing. And then the next day he walked in with a picture of Joe Frazier knocking Ali down. So we would go at it all the time. And I ended up. I ended up meeting Joe Frazier at Eddie Fudge's birthday party. Yeah. So that was cool. He was a great guy. Did you know Marvis yeah. too? I, I saw Marvis at the 91 National Golden Gloves, but I didn't say nothing to him. I, I wish I, sh- I should have said something Yeah, to you him, should man. definitely should have. Yeah. yeah, he would have loved to meet you, I'm sure. But Joe was a special guy, man. Yeah, but the thing with Eddie, like, you know, I'm a boxer, I'm a competitor. I took it as disrespect. And, and not in a bad way, Just I'm just a competitor. I, my manager said, uh, pack up your bags. I said, for what? He said, we're going to D.C. Um, I want you to talk to Eddie, Eddie Fuchs. I said, Eddie Futch? Yeah, yeah, Eddie Futch. I said, okay, okay. He said, you're going to train. I'm like, okay, all right. And I walked in the gym, and Mike McCallum was in the ring, and Eddie, Eddie Futch, uh, I walked Body up. Body snatcher. Yeah, my, uh, Eddie Futch walked up to me and shook my hand. No, no, he walked up to me and said, how you doing? Uh, I heard you want me to train you. He said, well, you're going to spot Mike McCallum, and I'm going to make up my mind. And I just took that disrespect. And I went in, and I played with him. I mean, I schooled him. Mike. Play, I played with him. Schooled him. Every time we sparred, I played with him. I mean, it, it got to the point where Eddie wouldn't even let me spar him no more. I mean, it was just easy. So he know. took you on after that? Yeah, no. So after we finished <laughs> sparring, he walked up to me and shook my hand. Okay. Said, Welcome to the team. I was yeah, I thought so. You know right, 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 right. Come on, man. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, uh, right. I, you know, I'm a competitor. Right. 
Because you tell me I'm finna spot my account. What is that supposed to do? Right. So it, got, it worked out. Uh, it worked uh, for me. So it was cool. But it was fun being around Eddie Fudge. Did Mike touch the body? No, no. I'm going to tell you what Eddie, uh, Mike, we was in the dressing room. Mike McCallum called me Shorty. He could, to this day, called me Shorty. He said, Shorty, you got me today, but I'm going to get you back. And he never did. He never did. <laughs> and anybody in Vegas could let you know who saw a spa. Yo, I was just playing with him. And where'd you learn all these moves? I don't even know. That's how, that's how I know it's naturally I was supposed to do this. You are supposed to do this. I don't this. remember learning how to fight. What, what, did you, what did you learn, you think, from Eddie? Can, like what? The main thing with Eddie and Thale Torrance, I got to put Thale in there because he spent a lot of time with me, is the confidence. Mm. Like every time I look at them, right. they were so confident. I'm like, I got to be, you know what I'm saying? If they so confident about me, I got to be confident. It was right. like, you know, it was like, I never saw like, well, if, you know, we got, you know, I never saw no nervous. It was like, we going to do this, do this, and do this. I was like, okay. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. you did it. Yeah, yeah. That helped me a lot. Uh, just being around him. He was like the old, you know, the old master. Right. You know what I'm saying? And one good thing I liked about it was, because, you know, I've never been a superstar. I've never been treated like one. But even the fans that knew me, when Eddie Futch was around me, he got more love than me, so it was cool. But he got, when we walked up, everybody came up to him, so I could go sit down and get away from there. So that's the part I loved, because he took so much attention. You don't like the limelight? No, no. I, I, I mean, I've never. Why is that? Well, are you, never, are, you, are you just a shy guy? No, I'm you, not shy you, at all. You, I've, I've never really been treated as a superstar, so I've never felt like a superstar. So, And fighters will tell you that uh, sometimes it's bad to be a superstar because I could do whatever I want to do. I could go to the mall. I could go everywhere. Sure. Some people might notice me. I'll sign an autograph, take a picture. But I could pretty much do what I want to do. I think that life is cool. Right. I they just want. No I wanted the, the this money. This is a guy the, that beat James Tony right. twice. As long as you got the money and the fame. <laughs> right. The money everybody know who you are. That's good enough. I don't need to be no superstar. I don't need to be. I mean, even though I'm not going to turn out no pictures or no autographs because Muhammad Ali didn't. Right. So, you know what I'm saying? It was just, you know, it was cool. What was, uh, what's your relationship with James Tony now? I ain't, I never had a problem with James Tony. The thing with Does James Does he have Tony, a problem with you? Uh, <laughs> I, well, I could tell you what the problem was. Okay. I was, I was an amateur. 1992, I get a phone call by Jackie Callen. She said, how you doing, champ? Uh, you got a manager? I said, no, I ain't signed with nobody. She was like, uh, well, me and James is interested in, in managing you. Okay. I said, okay. She was like, we're going to fly you up. And, you know, I get off the plane. I walk out. I see a brand new Beans. I'm like, I know. They're going to send a drive. I know James 20 not going to pick me up. And the window came. Now he said, let's go, champ. I said, this is James. James Tony's my favorite fighter. I met him in uh, Detroit. I was with Chris Bird. He's a hell of a fighter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Chris Bird is my man. I, 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 well, Chris Bird, too, but I was oh, talking James Tony. Yeah, I, I love Chris Bird, though. We yeah, can talk yeah, about Chris yeah, in a second. But. Yeah, yeah. But uh, James Tony walked up to me and said, what's up, champ? I'm so glad you beat Jeremy. I hate that mother, mother effer. And I was like, damn, James Tony know who I am. I'm an amateur. Right. And that was before. So uh, the one to come down, like, champ, let's go. Damn, let's change. So, I'm, you know, I'm in the car. I'm acting cool. But From you're inside, like inside. I'm like a kid. Right. I call my wife. I'm like, man, I'm I'm in James Tony house. Yeah. I said he has everything. It was a brand new house. It was boxes with a washing machine and drives off front. I said, man, he got everything. And my wife said, don't worry about it. You are gonna have it one day. I have it too. And I thought about it. I said, okay, all right. And um, so we sparred. I, I sparred. Uh, went to the gym. Bill Miller was there, and I sparred Booker T. Word, and I played with him. You know, so can't nobody hit me. I mean, you know, so I, I went, and I'm not trying to brag or nothing. I'm just saying I, I went like six, seven round sparring sections without getting hit with a clean punch, you know, millions of times. So, you know, I played with him, uh, Booker T. Word and everything. And then the next day, he said, well, okay, you fighting Dennis Andre. You sparring Dennis Andre's former light heavyweight champion. I'm like, all right. Uh, I had my way with him. It was pretty easy. The only thing I regret about that sparring session was I kind of talked some garbage to him. Okay. And I and I hated that. You felt said, you felt like I was doing so good. He said something, I started talking garbage. Like, man, whatever, old man. Something I said to him. Right, right, right. And I, and I called myself. I said, I will never do that. I will respect everybody yes. that's over me. I, and I yeah. apologize. And that from that day on, it never happened. And uh James Tony's like, damn, damn, Griff, you whooping everybody else in the gym. 
Like, hey, man, I, you know, I'm just doing what I do. Right. And uh, Bill Miller said, all right, champ, we sparring James tomorrow. I'm like, okay. I mean, what, like, what did that, you know, someone spoke, I mean, don't say it to me like, like it's a big thing to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, I did my thing. And uh, I'm not going to say I whooped James or nothing like that. But uh, James said, man, it's like I'm sparring a mirror myself. And I was like, okay. And Huge when I knew. Com- is a big compliment. Right. Every, everybody who I who before I went to the camp, everybody told me that, man. He talked to people like, he called people bitches and he, he cursed for everybody out. And he do this, he do that, he do this. And I'm like, I didn't see none of that. Mm-hmm. He never, I knew he respected me. He never came that way. He never did nothing. And um, uh, this one I knew how much respect he had for me. A kid named Kevin Trilogy from Michigan was my roommate. He was like, man, he was like, man, James couldn't do nothing to you. I'm like, no, he couldn't. And that was it. It was none of us. We went to a party that night. Holyfield was fighting ball. And um, and he wanted to say, James, Montel said you couldn't do nothing with him. I said, this some pussy ass. You know what I'm saying? I'm thinking of him. I'm like, he's a pussy. And James said, shit, I couldn't. When he said that, I, I, I was like, I got him. Right. Then when he said I knew, because I see how he treat people. You don't have no respect for nobody, but he respected me. And so you knew you had him. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I had him. And um, the next day, we sat down and talked business. And the money didn't add. The numbers didn't add up. And I was like, man, I'm cool. Just send me home. I thought he was a little pissed off about that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? But, but. How, so how did that first fight get made? I'm sitting in a room. I'm and, sitting in a house. And, 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 and to, I want to hear it. How did it get made? And, and like. What was what was that like? What was the buildup? Uh, I mean, it was great. I mean, everybody said my manager was making a mistake. I wasn't ready. Uh, they talked about me behind my back. So you and were so, saying how it got made? You were saying how it got so, made? So, yeah. So I'm sitting in the house, and uh, my manager called me. He said, hey, man, HBO called. Uh, I think it was Leonza Barber, if I'm not mistaken. He said, man, Barber pulled out. He said, HBO will need a promise for James Tony." Right. He said, this is what he said. He said, can you beat James Tony?" I said, yeah, I could be James Tony. And while I was saying that, my wife was in the background like, what? You trying to fight James? I said, look, check this out. If you're going to be negative, don't think I got a challenge, yeah. stay your ass at home. That's right. I don't want to hear that shit. That's right. Positive only. I don't want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he said, that, well, they offering 60000 I said, man, I said, tell him, give me 100 and I'll do it. He said, I'll call you right back. Ten minutes late, he said, it's on. It's on. And I was like, man, I should ask for more. Right, right. Yeah, it <laughs> because, was so, because I done did this so many times in my career. I, I know it's always more on the table than what right. they ask you for. Right. I felt 60 to 100 was a good jump. I should have said 200 and see what they said. But anyway, uh, you know, all my friends, like, are you crazy? Like, what is wrong? I'm like, man, I sparred this dude three years ago. I know I got better. He, I said, he didn't get no better. He didn't get better. He was two-time world champ then. He wasn't going to get no better. But he was still in his prime. Right. He was, he was, he, that was his first loss uh, three months early when he fought Roy. So you got the the number one pound for pound fighter in the world who lost fighting a kid with fourteen pro fights. You know he coming to win. Oh, without right? a doubt. Okay, couldn't do nothing with me. He hurt me. Uh, what happened was the fight was too easy. I'm, I'm the three rounds. I'm like, this is nothing. And I and Eddie first said, if you throw a right hand, come back with a left hook. And I'm feeling so good. I'm trying to be Ali. I throw a right hand, he, and he hit me with the. Counter shot. You didn't see it. No, of course I didn't see it. But I ain't touched the floor. Right. I ain't right. touched the floor. My glove didn't touch the floor. Right. I saved myself, and um, he thought I was out. But I, re- I, I was clearing my head. I walked around when he walked up to me, and he loaded up to try to kill me, and I act like I ain't see it at the last second. I missed, and, and he fell, and right. it took him 20, 30 more seconds. So I was good after that. Right, right, right. But uh, you one of my friends who bet he won like fifty thousand dollars on me. He walked up to me, said, "Man." If Tony would have hit you, he would have killed you. <laughs> I, I, Yo, I, I saw oh, it. Okay. I saw. All right. So yeah. let's talk about the second time. So how did the how did how did the rematch get made? Nah. Okay. This was like okay. And and I hope you got more than a hundred for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I negotiated that fight. So uh, so okay. We both fought ten times. I have not one TV fight. I just beat James Tony. I got fourteen pro fights. Right. When I beat him, so I, I got I'm fifteen and zero. Uh, I gets no TV fights for a year. I fought. We both fought ten times. He on TV. Every I'm like, this is crazy. I said, but You're not nobody, nobody care about Montel Griffin. You know what right, I'm but but part of that. So you ended up signing with Goosem, but that was later on. That was but, uh, but that was later on. But then yeah. things changed a little bit, right? What you mean? So we were talking yesterday, and you were talking about how you fought that one fight, and 
you said you won, but you oh, lost. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that was like... And uh, you're talking yeah. about who you're with. Yeah, yeah. And that, what, was, and, that, and, that was years later, though. Okay. That was like maybe... Uh, but you don't think that correlates... I mean, because you were an Olympian. Now, you man, might not I, have meddled. I'm going to tell you what, what happened with Montel Griffin. Montel Griffin came out of nowhere, did something he shouldn't have did, and I, people always thought it was a fluke. That's it. They thought my whole career was a fluke. I just kept... Do you think a lot of that has to do with the Roy Jones win? Well, yeah, but I mean, uh, like I told Roy, I said, your fans love you so much that they hate me because right. you hit me on my knee. They right. hate me because right. he hit me instead but, of hating him because he fouled me and did a right. coward thing, right. a cowardly thing. Because we were standing up right in front of each other and I was whooping his ass. I, t- I, took, I took a step back. I didn't take his knee right in front of him. Right. I took a step back. Right. But, you know, like I know I talked to some friends. They said, man, Roy got an opportunity. He took it. He didn't think they was going to disqualify him. And a lot of people, I mean, look, Letterman, Howard Letterman had Roy up by two points when that happened. The the New York uh, uh, Daily News had you up by a point. So, I mean, it wasn't like a blowout for Roy. No. I mean, you were there. You were in that fight. I was winning the fight. Uh, I was winning the fight. Um, one point, I was winning by one point. I mean, you he got was, hurt. You got hurt. But like you said, you took a knee. You, you yeah, right. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he threw a right hand, and, and I, I I tried to roll with it. I should have just blocked it. Hit me in the back of the head. I got a little dizzy. I right. said, Montel, you winning. Take a knee. Take and a let's knee. win the last right, three rounds. Right, 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 right. You know what I'm saying? But uh, like I said, he was winning by two points. I was winning by one point, and he was winning by one point. But he got credited with a knockdown that he didn't deserve. Right. So basically, I, sh- I would have been winning that fight on two scorecards. He legged with me. And and I fell. He got when he when he when he got back up when they finished count. He didn't even jump on me because he knew he, I wasn't hurt. So he didn't even knew he didn't hit me. But uh, like I said, I, I should have been winning on all two. I should have been winning the fight. But I'm fighting against Roy Jones on HBO. So what you th- what you expect? And in, in his prime. In I mean, his prime when he was that, he the, was Superman. People <laughs> said he was the greatest fighter ever. Pound for pound, definitely ever. one of them. In 1997, they said he was the he greatest was, pound. Roy was special, man. So what did that make me? If he was the greatest fighter pound for ever, I, I'm an Olympian. I mean, a Hall of Fame. I, I gotta be. I mean, I'm not even on. A, I'm not even on a Hall of Fame ballot. I'm three and one against two Hall of Famers. Come on, man. I made the Olympic team with thirty amateur fights, and and not to mention, you didn't put two and two together. I quit boxing for eight years. I beat James Tony when only fighting four years. I had my first fight in '91. I beat James Tony '95. In four years, I beat James Tony with fourteen fights. Came back and beat him even easier the second time. I beat Roy Jones. You know what I'm saying he get, he gets disqualified, and then you know then we and then we had the rematch. So, listen, let's fast forward just a little bit. Um, you signed with Goosen. What was that like? Uh, like at that time, I was signed with Panos first. The guy from London, Palos Indiades, who had me and Lennox, who robbed us blind, and I think Lennox went in to win a seven million dollar lawsuit. Then I work. I work with a kid from uh, New York. Uh, said his name. Yes, I Joe DeGuardia. DeGuardia, and then I signed with uh, Goosen. But I, at the time, I was cool with Goosen because they was on TV. They had the best damn sports show. They was humping. They was yeah. Goosen was doing his thing. So when I signed with him, I'm like, I'm cool. And I seen how they pushed Tony. Right. They moved Tony real good. Marketed with that uh, Fox Sports and that thing. So I signed with him. And me you know, me and James talked about it. And it was cool. It worked well. And yeah, I fought. Uh, I fought two. I fought three softballs in a row. I fought Derek Harmon, then I fought the kid. Uh, I forgot his name. He was a good kid. Uh, and then I fought Tarver. So I did all that with Goosen. But like I said, uh, how, how are you and Tarver? You guys cool? Yeah, I ain't having no problem with Tarver. I mean, I messed with Tarver. I told me he hit me in the back of the head. I told him. I told me he did it on purpose. But you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. I mean, uh. Fighters, if fighters get chances, they're going to take them. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. I got hit with a, a legal punch. I got knocked out in the first round, but I'm proud of myself because I still went 12 rounds with him. You fought a lot of guys, man. How did I you fought know, everybody. I didn't turn down ha, How did you know it was time to hang up the gloves, and what was that like? I, I never retired. I never got to that point. I was still playing with people. Like, I would go to Sam Colonna's gym on the south side and spar pros who was fighting right now and play with them. I would scream out, I'm Montel Griffin. Y'all better remember my name. I said, I'm the best fighter that ever walked in around Chicago. Remember, I was 42, 41 years old, playing with kids in the gym, 20 years old. And um, I, got my, I, fought my, I got my 50th win, and um, ESPN was there. Andre Ward and everybody. I mean, yeah, Andre Ward and everybody. They was like, man, 
you still look good. You can still fight. And I'm like, wow, give me an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? And uh, <laughs> I got I got offered a fight in Australia for twelve thousand dollars. I said, man, you think I said I'm not broke. I'm not desperate. I said, you think I'm gonna fly to Australia for twelve thousand dollars? And I just I never retired. I just never got another fight. So just I just faded in the sunset. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you enjoy being a trainer now? I mean, like somebody said, is um training uh, a good bagger for a, a box. I said, no, nah, it ain't even close. It just I'm just cl- it, it, it keep me close to the game. But I would trade places with Vaughn to be fighting them all any day. So let's talk about Vaughn for a second. He got a tough fight with Felix Cash. What do you, yeah. what do you think about this fight? I feel very good about this fight. Uh, so he well, well, Vaughn is coming down in weight, right? Because he, he was always fighting at, at what one sixty eight. Nobody would fight Vaughn. Right. So he was taking fights at 68. He was taking what he He's had always to take. always B-side. Right. He beat Money Powell. He upset him. And um, when he beat Money Powell, I checked the weight that morning. He was 167. And um, he get on the scale. He was 161. Yeah. I said, what did you do? He said, I ain't do nothing. I said, you're not a super middleweight then. I said, you're a middleweight. And then I finally got him to come down. He fought uh, the kid, Arius, number four in the world. Walked him down. He was just too big and strong. Especially when you've been fighting these big guys for so long. You get into somebody your size, he just walked areas down the whole fight and played with him. Totally, totally different style from and his brother. And that's what's going to happen tomorrow. Totally, gonna different, totally different style from Devin. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're two different guys. Devin two different guys. A, a nice, slick, good, great fighter. Vaughn is a the animal. haggler type, come forward. And uh, try to bang you out and tip top shape. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, he beat areas. He didn't sit down one. He didn't sit down one round that there's, fight. There's not an ounce of fat on. No, on, he, he on trained Vaughn. year round. I wish I had his des- discipline when I was fighting. Man, he did 11 years in the can, huh? Yeah, man. You know, it uh, it changed you. God's a man sometimes, and uh, it's, it worked for him for, uh, for the better. You know what I'm saying? He came back and and he's disciplined. Yeah, he's disciplined. It's it's gonna be. It's I I can't wait for that fight yeah, yeah, tomorrow. I can't. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of, I see a lot of holes in the kids' game. I hope the best one with respect, but uh, this is a business, nothing personal. It's a business move, and um, I, I we you gonna see a lot of stuff tomorrow that we saw, and we are gonna make you know what I'm saying. We are gonna make it happen. Yeah. Who else is at your gym? Who do you, who else do you have over there? Uh, as far as uh, anyone that we should be that we should be knowing about. Well, I was training a couple of kids who ended up going in several ways. It was some backstabbing and stuff, but I ain't, we ain't got to even bring their names up. So Vaughn is really the only pro I'm working with right now. Okay. I got two kids that I'm trying to pro at the end of this year. It's going to be really nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. How did you hook up with Vaughn? How did that happen? I was in uh, – Sean Simpson was fighting in Minnesota, and Mike uh, Cameron was like, hey, man, I've been a fan for years. Like, man, uh, Vaughn don't have a trainer because you work with him. Okay. And the biggest fight of his career against Money Powell, we got the win. He did everything I asked him to do, and he won. And, and was, you guys you guys have a – there's just a bond. Yeah, we bond after that fight. I, I, I think yeah. – I think. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, a fighter and a trainer, they gotta just, there's got to be a special bond. Well, you know why? Because because I'm a fighter, I know how to deal with fighters. Right. Well, I'm an ex-fighter. Sure. Me and Vaughn, Vaughn got a strong personality. So, like, sometimes we click, but I know what to say. Right. Go, make it go the right way. Yep. Like when he's fighting Arius, I'm he's like I'm talking to him. He's like, okay, man. I said, you know, you could be mad if you want to. I don't care. But just go take it out on him. Right there, you, you go. Know what I'm saying, and right. Break this. He laughs in the corner. Right, and right, and right. He did what he had to do. So you like to make people laugh too, huh? What's up with this comedy, man? You I mean, you doing you doing comedy? What, what's yeah, up with that, man? I've been. My, my father was funny, man. My father was funny. A lot of people say he look like Red Fox. He was funny, <laughs> and I was five years old listening to Richard Pryor. Okay. Bill Cosby. Red I mean, these Fox. are some of the best. Red Fox. And my brother. And, and, my father let me watch it too. And then I saw a kid named Eddie Murphy when I was 14 years old, and it blew my mind. Look, we did, we we just about the same age. So yeah. I, I remember that when Eddie when Eddie man, came out. He 84, was, he came out. He, he, he 18 years raw. old, saying that live. Who was that, man. Raw? Man, it was beautiful, man. And that just, man, it just, you know. Yeah. But I've, I'm, I love comedy and everything, but you know, I don't know nobody who's in the game. Okay. So it was totally different. So. I retired from boxing. I was working out. I was Cook County Sheriff. And uh, my friend was like, man, you funny, man. You need to go on stage. And I just kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And he and he checked me one day. He said, man, it's open mic, man. You going to go up? I said, man, I ain't really prepared. He said, are you ever going to be prepared? And he looked me in my face. I was like, I got you. And I went up. And, and what was that like? What was that like? It was 
Was, you know was it nerve wracking? Was it nerve wracking? Let me let me make sure I said the right way because I got comedians who get mad at me because I when I say comedy is easy, I don't mean it in a disrespectful way. But when you box for twenty years, right, and you sparring grown men and you running three miles, <laughs> comedy's easy. On, it's easy, and right. I don't mean no just. I was born funny, so it's like I'm not, I'm not trying. I'm just being myself. But I'm not taking not. I'm not knocking comedy. There's a lot. Of, I still got a lot of work to do. My main thing is just being able to learn my jokes and be able to go 20, 30, 40. I'm I'm at like fifteen minutes strong right now. Okay. And that, you know, I, comedian. Uh, I was with a uh, Cootie. Who who did the video with Kanye? Okay, and um, Cody used to do comedy, and he said, uh, "He said you got fifteen minutes in." I said, "Yeah, I got 15. He said, "Oh, you good?" And he shook my hand, so I knew that meant something. And yeah, I got fifteen good minutes in me, and um, I did comedy. What about thirty in New York. seconds? You got thirty seconds right here for us. Uh, you got a contract with the uh, with figures on them? I get paid. I'm a I'm a comedian. I get paid. <laughs> Money in the over That's there. it. There you uh, go. Yeah, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Okay, I'll just tell you one joke. Uh, I just tell people uh, one of my jokes is um, like <clears throat> I say that uh, I started doing comedy because I started getting too too many concussions in boxing. I said, but now I can't remember my jokes. And then a few people <laughs> laugh. And I said, that's not a punchline. I'm just, I'm really sad about that. <clears throat> and I said, <clears throat> but I knew when it was time to stop. I said, cause. <clears throat> I have a fight, and um, all my kids were downstairs. I screamed downtown. I mean, downstairs. Hey, it's time to go to bed. And one of them screamed up, "Tell that dude who whooped your ass to go to bed." <laughs> and I said, "That's when I knew it was time <laughs> to give up boxing." But uh, yeah, a little stuff like that, man. But uh, I love the comedy thing. I'm uh, I got asked to do comedy at the Atlanta City uh, Boxing Hall of Fame in October. I'm doing a shout show. Shout out to Ray McCline, by the way. Yeah, my, I got to give him a call because I got to get all the information. Shout but, out to uh, Ray. They do a great job down there. ACBHOF. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I can't wait to. It's, it's I can't wait till I'm in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I got one of the greatest uh, victories in Atlanta City history. But you know, who's that? Who's to say? But um, yeah, that I was mean, a special place. Yo, you w- that was at the Taj. That was it. Was it the Taj? That was at the Trump Taj. Yeah. yeah. Donald yeah. Trump came to my dressing room. That was at the came Taj. Came and shook my hand. So yeah, that was at that was at the Taj. Boardwalk Hall. That was a great place too, man, though. Man, come on. I always told everybody as much as I love Vegas. The fights in Atlantic City to me was just special, man. Man, just the, the moon, you got the river, I mean, uh, the ocean right there, the boardwalk. All the Philly fans, man, all the New York man, fans. Man, I had a ball, man. Yeah, it was a special man, place, Atlantic man. City, I had a ball, man. Yeah, a special place. Up beach, down beach, I love AC. Man, I love AC. I can't believe how, how, how it went down it's, so it's bad. It's changed a lot, man. Man, it's depressed when I went last time. Yeah, it's, it's gone through a little bit of a tough, of tough, yeah. tough time, but... Hopefully they'll they'll pick it up. They still got good bones. Yeah, still man. got good bones. What's it like in Chicago now? Like I said, we're about the same age. So Chicago growing up must have been a lot different than I'm it born is now. 70. Yeah, I'm born seventy one. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, Chicago, like you heard things, but I never saw it. So like my mom, hey, it's dangerous. I'm like, but I never saw no va- no violence. You know, I, the first time I saw violence was when Ben Wilson was killed. I was fourteen years old. The number one uh, basketball player in the nation. We was leaving out for lunch. I had lunch at seven period. He was leaving out. And I told him, I said, man, congratulations. I mean, I said, good luck tomorrow. I'll take care of business. He said, man, thanks. They was starting a season. And five minutes later, he was shot mm. and was dead the next day. So it was just, that was the first time I saw violence. Uh, for somebody that you know to get shot and for it to be 100 feet from you, yeah, that's when it started hitting me. And then right after that, that's when the gangs got big and the violence and that's when it started. But the, the main, the main, main violence didn't start until they knocked down the projects and moved people all over the city. That's when the, that's when the violence started. Because you got gang leaders and drug dealers going to new neighborhoods, and they still got to hustle. So they fighting over territory. Right. They fighting over things. That's why, that's why the murders and stuff is going on. But you still love it there. I love Chicago. You raise your kids there? Yeah. I love Chicago, but I'm tired of Chicago. I'm tired of the weather. I'm tired of... It does get cold. All of the taxes. We get the highest gas, alcohol, tobacco, taxes. Uh, it's Crook County. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people... It's Crook. That's the nickname for it. Crook County. I'm a... I was a Cook, Cook, uh, Cook County employee. A guy walked towards me. I defended myself. I got suspended for my job. That was six years ago. I'm still fighting. I'm still fighting the case. 
So you know what I'm saying I'm Chicago's own, and, and I'm not saying nobody's supposed to treat me better. And um, I feel like I deserve. But you got to defend yourself. I got to defend myself, but I'm former lightweight champion of the world. Why do you have me around all these murderers and they all know who I am? They knew who I yeah. every every day uh, uh, an inmate would say, "I bet you I could get you." Right? They they want to. So test I don't you. know if they plan or not. Ninety percent of the time was planned, but how do I know somebody's serious? The first time a guy walked toward me, I defended myself. It's on camera, so I just need. I'm gonna get my my dad and the son. Just just take time. That's all. Where would you go if you could if you could leave Chicago? Go anywhere you want. If I wanted to go somewhere, it'd be Florida. But if I if I had to for business, I'll go back to Vegas in a heartbeat. Vegas or L.A. Um, but Florida be my first choice. Great stuff. Yeah. Listen, man, it's been great talking with you. Let, let me, let me. Uh, are you cool to, to uh, answer a couple fan questions? Of course. All right, cool. Of Let's course. see what the fans got for you uh, today. Can I say one thing? I got yeah. a book out about my life. Uh, I got crazy story. It's called The Ice Life. And the link is theicelifebook.com. Theicelifebook.com is my link for my book. I mean, I got a thousand stories with Muhammad Ali, Shaquille, O.J. Simpson, uh, Denzel. I mean, I had a crazy life, man. Just uh, check out the book, man. You'll love it. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Go go ahead. I was going to say, if the book falls in the right hands, they will make a movie of my life. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask you about the book. Um, but I was riveted with your other stories. No, that's all. What, what was that process like, writing a book? It's it called easy. Ice, right? It's called Ice. The Ice Life. The Ice Life, okay. It was easy. You know why it was easy? Why is that? Did, when you do good things to good people, good things keep happening. So a guy walked in. I was working at uh, Equinox. I was just doing personal training. A guy walked in the gym. Uh, two months later, he like, man, do you think I'm good enough? I, uh, he said, I got a guy named Marty McGarry who got a boxing gym. I said, I said, I've been knowing Marty McGarry my whole life. He's like, what? Went to Marty McGarry gym. We got this close. First, so, so first he was my client. Then he became my friend. Then he was my lawyer. He negotiated a few of my fights. And then he uh, ended up, uh, uh, like I said, he's my lawyer. Um, okay. Negotiated some fights. Yeah, negotiated some fights. He said, he walked up to me and said, hey, man. He said, how would you like to uh, come work for me? I said, what you want me to do? He said, I give you 40000 a year. He said, just come four hours a day and just do whatever I need you to do. Okay. I said, of course, who's going to turn that down? And he never had nothing for me to do. And that's how I wrote my book. Just so I, was, I sat there on the computer <laughs> four hours, writing my book every day. And he'd say, hey, man, I need you to go pick up some paper. Okay. I'll run, come back, and go back to my book. So I told him, I said, man, thanks for, thanks for paying, paying me for me writing my right. book. So it was a beautiful, a beautiful experience. That's great, man. True story. That is great, Montel. Yeah. All right, hold on. Let me get the fan questions. Through. All right. All right, let's see here. At BAM1700 asked Montel, is there any fight that was close to materializing but didn't come off in your career that looking back you think it would have been a firefight? Tommy Hearns. Uh, wow. The winner, the winner of uh, Tommy fought a kid. I forgot. He fought at the forum. He got dropped too, but they didn't call it. I forgot the kid. Now I ended up stopping the kid, the guy who Tommy fought. And I don't know how the winner, me and Roy, and the winner, Tommy, and this kid who he fought, who was terrible, was gonna fight each other. And I went to the dress. I went to go watch him fight, and I walked in the dressing room. He mean mugged me, and I started laughing because I had a picture that I took when I was seven, eight years old with Tommy. I was gonna bring him to the fight so he could sign it, but that fight didn't materialize. But that's the one that one name that I wanted on my on my career. That would be great to have on that CV. Yeah, man, I need. I mean, I needed Tommy. Tommy wasn't going to hit me with no right hand. <laughs> not, not in 1997. I was going to keep moving to my right. Round six, round seven, the legs were going to be shaky, and we was going to get them out of there. Yo, speaking of, of the, the, the 175 field today, because, I mean, look, you got Bevo. Yeah. You got Peterbiev or yeah. Better Bev, however you want to pronounce it. Because um, I had never heard. I was like, who's that? <laughs> Better Bev. Yeah. I was like, who's that guy? Um. When I announced his fight, that's how he said he wanted his name, oh, okay. Baturbiev. No, I respect But that. everyone says better Bev. It's, it's, it's easier. Right. <laughs> it's easier. Um, but uh, also you got, look, Joshua Buazzi over here on this side of the pond. Um, although he's training out in California. Uh, Anthony Yard. Um, 
What, what do you think of the 175, the crop out, out oh, there right now? Oh, that's great. Um, I, well, I, can I ask you a question? Because you're more into boxing than I am. How come nobody is talking about B-Ball and Better Beer? Well, they are. But first, yeah. there's other business to attend to. Oh, okay. It's looking like B-Ball might fight Buatsu. It's looking like Better BF is going to fight Yard. Oh, okay. But then, right. I think we're going to have an undisputed fight. Yeah, I mean, that's the fight that should be made. Yeah, that should, I mean, nobody... When he beat Canelo, nobody brought that fight up. I, I, I can't understand it. That's the fight. Yeah. It's a great fight. Yeah. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Sarah Thornton asked Montel, I read an interview with you a while back, and you said something that really hit home. It was simple but effective. Be smart with your money. There's no manual that teaches someone who Man. grew up poor than one day has Man. millions. Where did that come from? What, the, the saying? The, this no, is I your just, question. I just, no, I just, uh, I just sitting around thinking, just... Okay, say, say um at thirty thirty one at thirty thirty one. Okay, at eighteen at twenty twenty one, I just started boxing. I was Olympian twenty two, B. Jane twenty twenty five, B. Roy Jones twenty seven. So that's when all the main money was made. And at thirty thirty one, you might make some bad. I went through a divorce where I had, you know I lost some money and everything, and then uh, so I mean uh, family and friends that was gonna pay me back that never did, and it was just crazy. And then I didn't have a father. I did. I was making money, a million dollar decision by myself. I didn't have a father. So I just told him, I was like, man, I said, it's not a manual for this. I mean, who, right. who's going to tell you, I mean, as far as investments, as far as doing this. I mean, I had people that do it for me, but I just so happened I, I was just fortunate enough that I met them or whatever. But I'm just saying, you got so many kids. Like, <clears throat> like okay, I could just tell you like this. In 1992, I was homeless. In 1995, I was rich. So... In three years, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, so yeah, you know, we, you know, we all uh, waste money and do stuff, you know what I'm saying, that we try not to do. But one thing about me was people told me, they was like, man, I, they was like, man, you was the cheapest man that I've ever seen in my life. I said, man, I'm not, man, I'm not blowing no money. Right. Well, it's not worth it, you know what I'm so saying? So for you. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm cool. Especially when you're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it. Right, right. I'm cool. <laughs> you earning that money. I just say this. I don't have to get into it and everything. I just say that boxing still take care of me. I'm still living off boxing. The money I invested when I had, you know what I'm saying? I'm still. Do you still love the sport? I love the sport. I love the sport to death. Like I said, I just don't feel that I get back into the sport that I put into it. Get back from the sport. I love the sport. Uh, that's why I'm here right now. Uh, that's why I want to be a great trainer. That's why I want to be around. But that's that's another reason why we kind of went towards the comedy. I said boxing ain't. I said maybe boxing ain't for me. Maybe they ain't where I'm gonna become the greatest. At. I said maybe I might have to switch over for comedy. Cause one thing about comedy, the crazy thing about comedy is, I feel like I've never got no respect in boxing. But boxing is gonna bring more attention to me in comedy. I see it already. Like I I was in New York and I got a call to come to a comedy club in New York. Cause they say I saw you. Was you? Would you do comedy here? I'm like, yeah, of course. But I'm saying boxing is gonna help me. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like basically, ten, five, ten, five years from now, who would have thought that comedy is was gonna make me famous and and make me blow up and do the things that I wanted that that I thought was gonna be boxing. Right. Why you, you heard that from me? All right. Uh, what, July I look 8th? forward to the future. All right. Final question here. Jamie Hedges asked Montel. Any regrets from your fighting days? Yeah, I shouldn't. Have, I shouldn't have fought Roy Jones the, the, the second man, time. The second, yeah. I, uh, what happened in that fight? I mean, I know uh, what happened in that fight, but uh, what happened on your? But I'm, 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 I'm gonna have you read this, and uh, I'm gonna tell you the story. But uh, yeah, uh, as far as uh, the rematch, man. Uh. uh Roy Jones needed me. I didn't need Roy Jones. You know what I'm saying? Now, Theo Torrance, it's crazy. I got a text from Theo Torrance yesterday. We talking about something that was 25 years ago. We, we've been going back and forth. We've been saying who fought it was, who did this, who did that. Um, I had got offered to fight Steve Collins in, in Ireland right. for $2 million. Sure. Wow. And everybody in the team was like, man, let's take it. And Bumpano's like, no, no, we got to fight Roy Jones. Why do we got to fight? Roy Jones need us. You know what I'm saying? Panos is a snake in the grass. He's dirty. Got stab- he stabbed me in the back. He got paid off. 
it's, it's, no, it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing else. Did you, you get close to that same person? I got two million, but okay. if I got to make two million against Steve Collins, if I fight Steve Collins and beat him, I'm making 3.5 against Roy. Right. If we wait two, three fights, right. the, the, the fight the, gets get bigger and the bigger. The fight gets bigger. But Roy needed me. And, and Panos uh, fell for it and, and, um, mm. and got me, man. Boxing can be brutal, not just, not just, not just, not just in the ring, but uh, this is a text from Roy, yeah. Can I read it out loud? Yeah, you can read it. Hey, bro, I wrote a book, and I have nothing negative to say about you. John, your lawyer, told me in my face that they rushed me out on purpose and that they effed with me, and my manager and promoter knew about it. I didn't put his name in the book, but I told the story. I also said, I'm not saying I was going to win, but I just wished I was 100% ready like you were. I have nothing negative to say about you. <laughs> and what do you say? And what'd you say? I said, what, that's Roy at the bottom. Oh, this is what you said? This was you? That's, that's me texting Roy. Okay, and then he said, man, man and I never have a negative word about you either. You, my brother, till the end now. Yes, we have, we had our issues, but that's behind us. Love you like a real brother now. Ain't regret not one thing. I, I was cheated out. The biggest fight of my career, I was not allowed to warm up. It was set up. I got proof about it. And ain't nothing gonna, nobody going to do nothing about it. Nobody could care less. That's what kills me about boxing. I had 59 pro fights. I know I got a chin. I get hit with a fight. I get hit with a punch. That would, I wasn't even hurt. I wasn't prepared. And I got I to I gotta live myself losing in the first round. I can live with that for the rest of my life. And I know I'm better than that. But it is what it is. But it's boxing. Ice. Thank you, brother. Thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Montel uh-huh. Griffin, former light heavyweight champion of the world. He's here with Vaughn Alexander. We got the main event. We got uh, Chisora and uh, Pulev in a rematch. You, you excited to see that fight? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see it. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, look, I, you know, they did it once before, but they two very big guys. Yeah, and I think, they, I, I think, yeah. I think they, you know, they're calling it total carnage, and I think that yeah. that might be about correct. Yeah, it's, uh, I've, been, I've been enjoying watching Chisora. I've never been around him. This is the first time I met him. He's very funny. He's uh, Man, he's been saying some stuff, man. <laughs> he's been saying some stuff. It had me cracking up. He had the Boris Johnson mask yeah, on today. Man. So this is a big week in England. Boris Johnson yeah. just announced that he's yeah, going to resign. Yeah. Wimbledon's going on. Yeah, man, I, I'm talking to people. They nobody excited. I said, y'all don't want to, y'all don't go to Wimbledon? Yeah. And then I found out it was $2,000 to get in. Yeah, we like, were talking about that yesterday. You were trying to get tickets. Yeah, I, I was, yeah that's a bucket list thing. Yeah. Anybody got hook them on women and text me. <laughs> All I, I right. need to go. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you guys tomorrow night from uh, the O2 Arena live on DAZN. Check it out. Montel, thank you, my brother. I hope to see you soon. And, uh, animal Von Fletcher. Uh, and good luck tomorrow. Von Alexander. Yes, Von Alexander. Right. All right. Take care, guys. I'm thinking about the Animal Fletcher.